Today, we're going we're to be in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. And last week, Peter kicked off this chapter uh, letting us know that suffering is inevitable. Uh, that in this life, we will have pain, we will have hardship. And one of the very first things he says as he jumps into chapter 4, and this is hard, like we can talk about it, but to do it's a different game. He says, have the same attitude as Christ on this roller coaster called life, right? So when somebody gets under your skin, uh, when some hardship comes your way, when adversity hits, in that moment, when it's the hardest, right, to have the same attitude as Christ, Peter encourages these persecuted Christians in that moment, it's a pretty good time uh, to lean in and to have the same attitude as Christ. He also shared at the beginning of this chapter that as we journey along in our walk with Jesus, uh, from your teenage years to your 20s to your 30s to whatever decade you're in now, uh, that we, we should see, if we're walking with Jesus, substantial change uh, in, our, in, in, our, in our lives. That our appetite for sin, our appetite for the things we used to run to, to fulfill us, we no longer desire. Why? Because Jesus now fills that, fills that void. That we, we no longer desire the things of the world, but we desire the, to live our lives for the things of heaven. And then he shared this, and I can't, like, i got to read it again because we need to, we need to hear it again. And uh, he says this at the end of this section in verse, verses 8 through 11 in chapter 4. I shared these same words with uh, the UD football team yesterday because it fits with a, with a team just as much as it fits with us as the local body of Christ because it's God's Word and it's His truth. And he says, above all, meaning Peter's saying this is the most important thing, some of you that were snoozing on the verses before that, catch on to this one because we, we need to live this one out. He says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality, hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. He's uniquely gifted you and equipped you, given you the mind, the, the knowledge that you have. We should use it to serve other people. Uh, and then he goes on, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Not our thoughts, not our ways, but God's ways. And if anyone serves, which we have an army all across this building serving even right in this moment, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Because there's times, anybody just don't feel like it? Like, I don't want to go do that. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be a part. That we should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to have the attitude of Christ, to walk in His ways. And then he, he, he shares at the end, to Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So let's jump to verses 12 through 19. And Peter talks about suffering again. And you can imagine these persecuted Christians, they had to wonder, uh, maybe you wonder this as well, as you're just trying to live a peaceful life, trying to honor God, trying to be obedient to Him, why in the world do I have to deal with hardship and trial and suffering, right? They had to wonder that. And Jesus, if you read the totality of Scripture, said that you will, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That we're going to have to deal with suffering. Jesus had to suffer as well. So Peter's going to talk about that, but then he's also going to give this, this persecuted Christians and us a warning when it comes to suffering. Because not all suffering is good, and we'll, we'll make sense of that here in a moment. But let me just start with this statement. Uh, as you think about the world we live in, uh, that we live in a, a crazy time with a pretty chaotic world, don't we? As we look around, uh, 
sometimes it's like we're not even surprised. We're, we're numb to the things that we maybe hear on the news. We're numb to the new thing that takes place in our world because it just seems like normal now for whatever reason. And maybe it's because of technology and social media and the rate that things are moving. Um, but we live in a world that's chaotic. And the Bible gives us some, some key truths. Uh, while we'll never totally fully understand everything going on around us and be able to make sense of it all, God gives us some truth to navigate uh, some of, the, some of the, the, the bumpy waters, right? The rough water. And uh, he does this the best. I think it's one of the greatest books that he is, is in First Peter, the letter that Peter wrote to these, to these persecuted Christians. So let's just jump in. I'm going to read verse 12 only to start, and, but I promise we'll make it through 19 before, before 1.30 when we're done. All right, 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 19. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. If you have your Bible out, I'd circle test. As though something strange were happening to you. Right out of the gate, what does Peter let them know? Uh, as you as the persecuted church and Christians, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble's going to find you, and, and hardship is going to find you. Uh, but don't, don't be surprised by it all. Don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal. Have a, have a calmness about you. Have a peace about you, because God, God is with you through it all. I was reading this verse this week, and and just this morning, when I was going over my, my notes in this passage again, I thought, what's an example of, of someone that got some pretty crazy information and was calm through it? And the, the place I went back to, because I picture this leadership style all the time. The world is crumbling around. And remember, George Bush is reading a, a book, to, a, a children's book to kids. I think it was in Florida. And one of his aides, one of his secret service came in and whispered in his ear, uh, Sir, that someone has just hit the World Trade the World Trade Center Tower. Did he, did he go berserk in that moment? Did he bust out of the room? He listened. He took it in. He nodded his head. And he moved on. It was leadership that, that the fiery ordeal, uh, he was steady through it. That's what Peter's talking about. That's the picture that we should get through this, that when, when the fiery ordeal comes our way, don't be surprised. Uh, in some ways, expect it. Because in this world, you will have trouble. So he says, dear friends, don't be surprised at this fiery ordeal that has come to test you. That it, it really does test us. No matter whether we brought it on ourselves or whether we're being forced into a fiery ordeal because we're following Jesus the best we know how, it can end up being a test. And that test, we can do it one or two ways. We can, we can lean into Jesus in the test. Or we can just spiral out of control and, and kind of take things into our own hands and try to own the test on our own and, and try to figure it out on our own. For these persecuted Christians, for those that may have not been here through this series, let me remind you who Peter's writing to. He's writing to a group of persecuted Christians that there was a guy named Emperor Nero that he was said to have burnt down Rome, if not all of Rome. Uh, he used the Christian community as the scapegoat, pinned the blame on them, so then persecution broke out on these early Christians, and they were scattered all throughout what we know today is modern-day Turkey. And they had to suffer in an incredible, an incredible way. And it wasn't just because of Emperor Nero, but it came at them from all different angles. We know that. When we hit troubling times, uh, often it continues to come at us from all different angles and throughout all different ways. Many of you have maybe heard the line of when it rains, you can finish this one, it what? It pours, right? 
It's like, am I ever going to get out of this season? It's just, it just constantly is pouring. It's like that, that, that nagging, dripping faucet in the house, right? You just keep looking over at it. You thought you fixed it. And it's just one more drip after drip. And it just continues to happen. And that seems to be how it is at times in our lives as well. That we can face some of the hardest of times. And, and it seems like it's raining. Oh man, now it's pouring. And, and just suffering and hardship begins to snowball on top of each other. And Peter and Jesus lets us know, hey, in this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart. What's that mean? Trust in me. I've got your back. Don't forget that I've already overcome the world. I am God. I am Lord over, over all. You can pop that picture up on the screen if you want. And uh, if you uh, live on this round ball, uh, you know that it's far from perfect, right? Uh, that there's brokenness, that there's pain. On the, it is not heaven. And if you have an address on this round ball, which I'm pretty sure we all do, right? Um, the Bible makes it very clear that there's going to be pain here. Uh, that there's times we get knocked down. There's times that we, that we fall down. There's times where we get just, just really bad news. Our bodies remind us that they are, uh, they're not just these eternal bodies as they will on this earth, but they're finite and, and they're frail, right? They remind us every morning when we wake up and our knee quits working or something on our body isn't working the way it should, right? Uh, we're reminded often it, when, when we receive stuff where we're sick or we get bad news about sickness or we get allergies in this cesspool of the Miami Valley allergy field, right? Um, or runny noses or the car breaks down, the furnace goes out, you name it. On this round ball, there's going to be pain and there's going to be suffering. And Peter is letting them know that. But he's saying, take heart, remember, we serve a God that will be with you through it. And He will be with you while you are in it. He will be holding your hand and guiding you if you will yield to Him, if you will trust Him through, through the storm. There's been some bad theology out there in the past that said, hey, if you become a Christian, uh, you're not going to have to experience a lot of that stuff. That bad things won't come your way. I've even heard people use this, and it's awful. Maybe you've heard this, and we apologize as the local church for you ever hearing this. That, hey, if you would have more faith, you wouldn't have to deal with this. If you would have more faith, then, then you would be healed, right? And that's horrible theology. It's bad theology, and it's actually just denial because Jesus never said that. Jesus, the, the, the perfect one, the one that walked a sinless life on this earth, the one that died for you and I sinned, uh, he had to suffer. He had to suffer as well. So Peter is saying, man, as you live out your walk with Jesus, not just a long time ago when he wrote this letter, but today, uh, you're going to do so with the target on your back. You're going to do so with a, a, a bullseye on your back, and at times, you're going to stick out. But here's what First Peter 4.13 says about that. It says, but rejoice in it, right? Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed uh, when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are what? You're blessed, powerful, for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. So suffering for doing good, you're journeying through this life and you're experiencing hardship, adversity, trial because of your walk with Christ. It's called redemptive suffering, that we serve a God that has your back. Remember the quote I shared with you a few weeks ago? Uh, anytime you hear a good quote, write it down because you'll forget it, just like I do. So I try to write them down. And this is the one I shared with you that I wrote down at least eight or ten years ago. And it says, God is responsible for the consequences of your 
obedience. You are responsible for the consequences of your disobedience. Charles Stanley said that. So if you're walking with Jesus, you're obedient unto Him, consequences, trial, hardship comes your way, you serve a God that has your back in that moment. might not be your favorite thing to go through, but He's got your back and you can trust Him. But you are responsible for the consequences of your disobedience. You're journeying through this life. You do things disobedient to what God's Word says. You take things into your own hand. You say, did he really say that? I don't think so. I'm going to do this. Consequences come your way. And suffering comes your way. And we're going to see a warning from Peter that speaks exactly to this here here in a moment. Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? He certainly did. Was he perfect? He was. Did he suffer? He did. So how can we as Christ followers that are imperfect beings, far from attaining what Jesus has attained, think that I don't need to deal with suffering? Like I get a pass throughout my life from hardship and suffering. Jesus in John 15, you want to read a good one to remind you, He told the disciples something and and He said, hop in line, right? Because as you head out and share the Gospel with the world, let me remind you, uh, they're gonna, you're going to run into some turbulence, but they hated me first. He says this, he says, If the world hates you, Jesus, keep in mind that it hated me first. Join the club. As you head out into this world and live for Jesus, you're going to experience that as well. And then he goes on and he says, if you, Jesus, if you belong to the world, uh, it would love you as its own. So you just do things the way the world does things and do things the way the world says to do things. They will own you. They will, they will say, you are great. Come and join the club. As it is, you do not belong to the world. Uh, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his masters. Master, if they persecuted me, it's probably coming your way as well. They're going to persecute. They're going to persecute you. Uh, all around where our alliance workers are around the world, there's some countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's illegal to assemble as the body of Christ. In America, um, it's not illegal for us to be uh, a Christ follower, right? It's not illegal for you to be here today to go to church. It's not the most popular thing to do or the most cool thing to do. But the Pew Research just came out with uh, a study last week and I follow this stuff, October 19th, and here's what they said about the current state uh, of our church uh, today. It says, the religious landscape of the United States continues to change at a rapid clip, which we all probably could have guessed that. In Pew Research uh, Center, telephone surveys conducted in 2018, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion. This is down 12 uh, percentage points over the past decade, which that's a huge, a huge number that it's down. Meanwhile, the, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population, consisting of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, which is really no religious identity at all, uh, nothing in particular, or just don't care, I could add that to the line, now stands for 26% up from 20 or 17% in 2009. So one in every four people you walk by this afternoon, you go see at the store, at the restaurant, at work this week, one out of every four uh, could care less about the things of God, don't believe in it, and uh, don't want to hear anything else about it. And currently, 43% of U.S. adults identify with Protestantism, 
down from almost half our, our culture, 51%, in 2009. There was a time when sharing that you were a Christian was honorable. There was a time when sharing that you were a Christian was, would, would maybe, uh, it, would, it would give some respect to you because of it. And now, uh, to be a Christ follower is, is to plan to be belittled. Plan to be the brunt of the joke. Plan to make it on a lot of maybe evening or late night comedy shows, right? Uh, plan to be the one that gets uh, uh, maybe beat down with words and slurs the most. But what Peter says, instead of us like, oh, what's going on in the world? Peter says, then he says, now, still alive. Don't be surprised. I mean, church, if you, we'll go through it, maybe an end time series, one of these, but if things are going to get a whole lot worse before they get a whole lot better. We, the Bible paints the picture as clear as day of what our culture is going to become before, before, the Lord Jesus, before the Lord Jesus returns. So Isaiah 5.20 is being lived out. It's, it's before our eyes. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Think about it in our culture today. There, there are people calling evil things, not just in the States, but around the world, good. It's good. It's, it's not bad. And they're calling good things, things that are God's truth, that are in God's Word, and they're calling them evil. And you're crazy for believing it. That is the time that we live in. And Peter says, man, if you get uh, maybe persecuted or people start coming after you because you're following my ways, I've got your back. That's what Peter's encouraging this group of people that are literally running for their, for their lives. And then Peter gives the warning. Here's the warning shot. Um, 1 Peter 4.15. Uh, he reminds them, uh, when you do things wrong, when you make stupid choices that are contrary to this, there's consequences. He says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Uh, you ever been around one of those people that just kind of meddle in everybody else's business? And it's like, you're like a getaway, you know? You, they're just always in every, talking about everybody, dealing with everybody else. It's like, you need to deal with you. Don't meddle in people's business. What Peter's telling them, and he's reminding them, is yes, you will suffer. And here's the warning. Not all suffering is a blessing from God. That if you're suffering because of your poor choices, if you're suffering because of you living for the flesh, if you're suffering because you're just living it up in this world, there are consequences, and there is hardship that will come your way, and it's going to be your punishment, your responsibility to deal with it. As Charles Stanley said, when you are disobedient to God's Word, it's going to be your dealings to have to figure out how to navigate those waters. When we make choices contrary to God and His ways, when we make choices that are contrary to the law of the land, when you go flying down 48 and the cherries and berries are lighting up behind you and you have to pull over and they run up and give you a ticket, uh, you got to pay the consequences of that, right? And you send a check in and then you get points on your license. There are consequences that come because of our poor, our poor choices. Galatians 6-7 says this. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We serve a God that cannot be mocked. So it doesn't matter how the world characterizes it. It doesn't matter how the world changes the narrative of the story. We serve a God that cannot be mocked, and you will reap what you sow. That if you play with fire, that's, we don't give our boys gas and matches and lighters and say, head out, you know. Uh, because if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt, right? 
We know this. There's many in this room today, you've lived some life and you're, you're reaping the benefits of doing things God's way. You have a great relationship with your family and your kids and, and uh, you're living in a situation now where you'd say, man, I'm so glad I wasn't always perfect, but I did it God's way. And you're just re- reaping some of the, the fruit that comes with that. I'm sure all of us in this room as well have had to reap some of the, some of the bad things that comes when we sow things that are contrary to God's word that we reap what we sow. And we sow things that are contrary to God's Word for years. Uh, years later, we still suffer the consequences of, the, of, that, uh, of that sowing that takes place. God cannot be mocked. People may get rewarded. People may get even awarded for doing things that are contrary to God's Word. And they may make the news and people will cheer them on. But we serve a God that cannot be, that cannot be mocked. So what, what do we do? When trouble comes our way because we blew it. We made a choice that wasn't good, and it hurt a lot of people. And Acts 3, this early church was learning and growing, and they were being chiseled and grown. In Acts 3, verse 13, uh, it gives us an example of what we can do, what we should do uh, when we blow it. When we make choices that are contrary to God's Word, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So when we've blown it, when we've made poor choices, when we brought trouble on into our lives, when we brought trouble into other people's lives because of our choices, when we brought trouble into our workplace because of a lousy choice, Acts 3.13 makes it about as clear as day. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Here's what we don't do when we make bad choices. We don't blame other people. We don't try to pin the blame on someone else and just come up with all kinds of excuses of why we're in that spot. Emperor Nero did that, didn't he? He found an escape go for his horrific decision and he pinned it on the Christian community and caused all kinds of horrible things to happen. We currently live in a world that says, hey, just play the victim card. Maybe you'll win, right? Uh, you don't need to own your mistake. You don't need to own your sin. You don't need to own the consequences of your poor of your poor choice, but the Bible paints church such a different picture. Such a different picture. That when, man, we make a choice that dishonors the Word of God and what He's called us to, we need to repent. We need to admit it. We need to repent. We need to to turn to our God and let Him forgive us. So that we, as Peter talks about, we can experience, or I guess in in Acts, so we can experience the, the times of refreshing that comes from repenting and times of refreshing that comes from giving it back to God. That's what we're called to do when we blow it. And here's the deal. We'll probably all blow it again. And we're going to need to remember that. And we're going to need to remember to ask for forgiveness from our God. And He will be gracious and He will give us grace and He will give us mercy. Peter closes here and he says, hey, if you're a Christian, uh, here's what you need to do if you experience uh, persecution and trial because of your walk with Christ. Verse 16, it says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So he gives us a do and he gives us a don't in this passage. And the, the don't is, hey, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. As you're walking with Jesus and persecution and hardship and adversity and trial comes your way, do not be ashamed of that. When someone comes to you and they're like, you really believe, there's no way you believe this. The virgin birth, come on. Somebody coming back and they went to the cross and died and three days later he rose again. There is no way, right? 
all of those miracles, give me one good reason why any one of those miracles took place. Skeptic question after skeptic question or comment. And what we're called to do in the midst of that, as Peter tells us, even when the roads get bumpy, even when we just don't know what's next, do not be ashamed. One of the very first verses I remember as a kid learning growing up was 2 Timothy 2.15 in Bible Mountaineers. John probably remembers Bible Mountaineers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We must always remember when hardship comes our way, whether we brought it on ourselves or because we're just following Jesus doing our best, that we don't get a pass on doing the right thing. We don't get a pass on, oh, should we be obedient to God here or not? No matter what happens, no matter what transpires, no matter what comes our way, we are obedient, we're not ashamed, we honor God and His Word. And here's the reason why as we close in verse 17. The reason why is for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. Where does judgment start? In God's household, with God's people. Let me bring it to us. It starts with you and with me. That's where judgment starts. That we're, we're, hauled, we're called to this higher expectation. We're called to live this higher expectation from God. And if it begins with us, Peter says, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? What's going to happen if, we're, if, we're, if the stakes are so high for us? What about the one that doesn't even believe in Jesus? And then he talks about Proverbs uh, 3, verse 11. He pretty much, Proverbs 11. And he says pretty much the same thing. He's quoting from it. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, we know the only way this can happen is through Jesus, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer, he says, according to God's will, should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Peter tells the persecuted Christians, and he tells us today, if you're suffering for doing good, if you're suffering because you're honoring God, and it's just like this adversity, it just keeps coming my way, but you're, you're just honoring God through it. He says, let me, let me give you a, a great reminder of how to honor God's will through the midst through the midst of it. When you're ready to throw in the towel, when you're ready to be done, when all of the questions about the church and God and Jesus come to fruition, it's like, I don't have, I quite believe this stuff anymore. Or you're going through a trial or a hardship that seems so big, there's no end in sight. What Peter tells us to do is this. He says, keep committing yourself to God and continue to do good. So you do that and you're walking down the road and all of a sudden, bam, another trial hits. What do you do in that moment? Well, Peter says you need to commit yourself to God and you need to continue to do good. You're walking down the road and man, you get terrible news from a doctor or from somebody in your family. What do you do, right? You continue to do good. You continue to do good and you, you commit yourself back to God. If you're in here today and you don't know what to do next, it's like, it's like a cloud in front of me and I can't see anything down the road. In that moment, you commit yourself to God and you continue to do, you continue to do good. There may be some in here today that there's not one fiber in your being that wants to commit yourself to God, let alone continue to do good for anyone because you're just tired of it and you're in that season i want to encourage you today if you're at that spot that that if you will do that if you will humbly come before god 
open your hands up to him and just say, I commit myself to you. It's not going to be easy, and I don't even want to, by the way. But I'm going to continue to do good regardless. I can about guarantee that you serve a God in heaven that, that you, will, you will be blessed for doing it. You will honor your Father's name in heaven by doing it. And then I want to close with this very last thing Peter mentions, and I'm backing up to do it in verse 16. He says this in verse 16, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you will bear his name. If you have your Bible open still, circle the word Christian. And then if you made just two more circles in your Bible, you would have only found three times in the Bible where Christian is even mentioned. You think, well, that'd be way more, right? We talk about, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. We talk about Christianity all the time. Why is it not in the Bible more? Well, when they were writing the New Testament, New Testament writers, to use the word in the name Christian would have been a slur or a racial slur that it would have been used by some of the Roman authorities or those religious leaders that didn't quite believe in Jesus. Uh, there's some that would even say they would use the word little Christ or Christian, and they weren't saying that to affirm them. They were saying it to belittle them. And that's why I love what Peter does in this passage. And we need to hear this before we walk out of this room today. He says, if you are suffering as a Christian, this racial slur uh, word that's going on, if you're suffering as a Christian, then here it is. Then praise God at the end of the day that you bear his name. (laughs) Praise God at the end of the day you bear his name. So if you're in this room today and you feel like, man, you're suffering, because of your walk with Christ and people, you just feel like you're in that tense season of life or you're suffering because of stuff you brought on and you yield back to him, you can walk out of here with assurance if you are in Christ where you can say, praise God at the end of the day. doesn't matter what comes tomorrow, what comes next weekend, what comes in a year, what comes in five years. I can always, always say, praise God. Why? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I bear his name. What a great, great gift that we have from our God in heaven. Let me pray. Father, we love you today, and um, we thank you that we bear your name, the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the one that lived a sinless life, a perfect life, the one that was ridiculed and suffered greatly, but yet never retaliated, and the one that always yielded to the Father, And God, for whoever is in this room today, and I believe there's some, as hard as it may be in the midst of their situation, God, I pray that you would give them strength to yield to the Father. To say, I don't know what's next. I don't have all the answers. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, uh, I don't fully know yet, but when I get to heaven, I I will. God, that you would come alongside them today and, and that you would encourage them and that they could yield back to you. And they could do as Paul ta- Peter talked about. They could commit themselves to you and just continue to keep doing good even if things never change. That's a tough one. But God, you'll be with us even if things don't change. And we love you for that. We pray this all in your name. Amen.